everyone. It's Dave and Jeff. It is September 29th, 2021. Tell you what, Dave, this is a great one for us. We love the Padres. We often give credit to the guys at Mad Friars because Mad Friars does an insanely good job keeping you up to date on who is in the pipeline. Huge fan of them. And the man himself is here today, John Conniff. Johnny, it's great to see you. How are you, buddy? Great. Thanks for having me down here. And, uh, you know, next time I think I'll drive out from D.C. because I think it's a little bit shorter drive from <laughs> Del Mar. What is the deal with you guys? Every guy that comes out here pulls that same bullshit. <laughs> hey, we'll, we'll talk minor leagues, but you're a guy that grew up here in San Diego. Right you're a Poway guy. In the North County. <laughs> East County, as your wife will remind yes. you all the time, yes. which is great. But I, I want to ask you this. As a guy growing up, and especially now doing what you do, mm-hmm. In your memory, growing up here, who's the first Padre prospect that you remember you were excited about as a kid? Oh, man, there was so little information about those guys. I think I started hearing their name. If you remember, they'd start bubbling under the surface. You know, I'd have to go back, maybe someone like Gene Richards or something like that. Oh, you're going way back. Yeah, I mean, we moved here in 76, and I can remember going to the Randy Jones car wash and my dad telling... My mom, this was like the most important Padre because he led us to the promised land. And my mom goes, oh, they won the World Series? He goes, no, we finished fourth. That was the first <laughs> year they didn't finish in sixth. <laughs> so I can remember going there when I was a little kid and looking at all the pictures. And uh, you know what's weird? Growing up, you know, the brown uniforms are so popular and they look yep. great. But I can remember back then, we did not like the brown no. uniforms. We thought they looked like McDonald's uniforms. And, and Dave, when they changed in 85... And Garvey was on the cover of San Diego Magazine. Yeah. That's how they released it. And the way I remember it, they had the home one, which was always cool. And then we grumbled about the road ones. But, John, for me, I got here in 81. Dave, the guy that I remember, you know, McReynolds came up and Tony came up. And, and they kind of came up after I got here. Mm-hmm. But, John, remember the buzz around Benito? Because oh, yeah. Terry Kennedy was the guy. He'd been the catcher on the World Series team. But the AAA team was in Vegas. And so yeah. we'd always have guys, John, I'm sure you had friends as well, that would go over and you started hearing about this guy throwing dudes out from his knees. Right. And Terry Kennedy, great catcher, old school, fundamental, Bob Boone type catcher. And you're like, what? And we, we were pretty much Garvey, Wiggins, Tempe, Nettles, right? Yeah. Mello, uh, McReynolds, Gwynn. Pretty standard guys, not a whole lot of flash going on there. And all of a sudden, you got this lightning rod. And I just, if you remember, right, you'd hear about the Bayergas and the Alamars coming up. But Dave, the buzz, and that's why it's kind of fun now, because it felt that same way not long ago with Tatis and others. Right. Yeah, Tatis was, you know, I mean, I always... We we saw we saw Tatis when he got traded over, and we only all about most of us put him as the second best prospect. We put uh, the guy that got traded to um, Boston, the third baseman Hudson Potts, wow. except for one guy. David J went over to the Arizona League, and I always vomit in my mouth a little bit when I say this. And he saw him, and he said, "No, no, if he learns to lay off." The slider, he's going to be really good. How old is he at that time, John? He was about eighteen. He was about seventeen, and then I saw him basically. Yeah, then I saw him in Fort Wayne, and then he was just starting to kind of uh, turn around, and he just hit a giant home run, and that's when I got. um, I'd been friends with Darren Smith for a while, going back and forth, and that's when he asked me to to come on his show, and it it kind of was a text going, "Hey, I've." uh, 
I've kind of talked about this team as much as I can. I can I can do this, but I, I could use a little bit of help. You, you want to come on and talk about what we got in the pipeline? And yeah. that was a lot of fun. I think that's when I first heard about you guys because you guys heard me on the radio. And then yeah. Kevin Charity told me uh, about that and I started listening in. And with you guys, it was weird because I remember you guys on 1090. Yeah. And no offense, I wasn't that big a fan of the show then. No, Neither that was show I. But I liked, I liked the <laughs> podcast. And, yeah. I, you know, I'm a Patreon subscriber. And uh, I, I've always enjoyed it. I always text you guys when I yeah. listen to this stuff. And it's, it's kind of really interesting. So when you look at the Padres and where they were, all right, when Kevin Towers was the right. GM yeah. and where they are now, because... We love Kevin as a person, right? but who are we kidding? The, the drafts were some of the worst drafts in Major League Baseball history. He didn't do a lot to make your job any easier, for sure. Well, I mean, I think the first year I did this was about 2003, and I remember kind of going to all these different affiliates, and they were like little fiefdoms. It's like, you know, the coach says we're going to do one thing here, over here, who knows, and this and this. And when Fuson came in, that's when they first started kind of streamlining things. Everyone had to wear their pants the same way. Everything was done. They had manuals, and that was – different thing i think towers was just more of an old school guy where he kind of left it to the scouts the people like uh chief gaten and all that and as good as kevin was this kind of was his downfall of arizona he couldn't build a system and that's kind of what we're going to get into tonight about i think with aj preller about you know what is the role of a president and gm is, yeah. he, is he more of a scout, you know, or is he just some guy who's making deals and you have to kind of see the whole thing? And I'm sure we'll chop that up a little bit. Tonight. Yeah, because you look at where they are, and I, I got to tell you, listen, as a guy that loves his team, mm-hmm. and John, you and I have had dozens of these text conversations. Right. They're always so fun. For whatever reason, Dave, there's a team that gets in your blood when you're 13. And for me, it's this team. So having the opportunity to cover it, John, I know you feel the same way. It's so much different than anything else. But to me, having grown up in this town, if there's one consistent about every sport, it's a quote that I put out last night from Mark Laurie. Mark Laurie is the brand new owner of the Minnesota Timberwolves, a billionaire with Alex Rodriguez. And it was a brilliant quote. And he said, in life, in business, we're very quick to hire and we're very slow to fire. And God dang, if that doesn't describe San Diego sports, because all we have to do is look back at Norv Turner or Mike McCoy or other guys, and you looked at it and you go, what is going to be different next year that wasn't different this year or last year? So, John, I'll give you a couple of questions about it, because... Well, I can answer part of the question sure. that you have now, and then go you can ahead. go go from there. Cause yeah, I love it. I listened to your, your podcast the uh, other night to catch up, and I enjoyed it. And you guys were really big on, on Preller needing to be gone. And from what I understand, and I could certainly be wrong, is you got to look at it that Seidler is like a hedge fund guy. Mm-hmm. And so I think what he Preller did was he kind of laid out a plan. He goes, okay, 2014, 2014 takes over. He tries to win. I think that was for Mike D. That doesn't work. After that, they have a plan. We're going to be really bad for a while. We're going to get everything we possibly can. We're going to build up a top farm system. And then we're going to go to compete. And pretty much he did that. 2019, they, they're kind of good. And then, then the clubhouse falls apart on green in August. Yeah. 2020, the 60-game season, as much as you and I like taking nice big shots of Dave <laughs> on the Dodgers. Yeah. You know, that kind of made, that kind of hid more of the Padres' flaws than the Dodgers. I mean, you had a really good tweet today where you said, this year for the first 50 games, the Padres were the best team in baseball. 
Okay. And so, but the point is he's hitting his benchmarks. And so then he goes to 2020 to where 25 or 26, he's telling Sider, like, look, we're going to compete. Some years to be up, some years to be down, but we'll always be in it. Now to answer Jeff's question, what could be different? If I were Seidler, I would give him, I would definitely bring him back another year. I, I think he, he's earned it. But I would put the big caveat is I'd want to sit down with him and say, what do you see the role of being a president or GM is? And what does the manager do? And one answer that you can't give me is I need to work more and get on more planes. Because, you know, from what I've, if you go into the firing of Sam Ganey, I, I've known Ganey since he got hired. I never knew Ganey to do anything that A.J. Preller did not specifically yes. tell him to do. Mm-hmm. So I kind of think Preller fired himself because he, he didn't bring in the guy with experience. He brought in the guy who was a coordinator of international scouting in, in there. So I, I don't know if Sider will do that because everything I've talked to and people I've heard said he loves him. And then the other comment is the people I've talked to and heard, and you get this because your job, you travel a yeah. lot too, is the guy said, hey, you know, I think Proler's really bright. I think he's a nice person. I think he knows baseball very well. But in his heart, he's a scout. And maybe he should ask himself, you know, is there a difference between what I really like to do yeah. and a difference from what I want to do? So if you're Seidler right now, mm-hmm. I mean, talk about, you know, we'll look at Jeff every night. And we, he says, this is the most disappointing season I've had as a Padre fan because of where they started and what the hopes were going in and the amount of money that's been spent. And, right. you know, Seidler now becomes the main guy instead of Fowler. And right. he's all into, and he is the one that gives Tatis the big deal. And he's said basically, Padre baseball, this is, there's no looking back. You know, this is the way we're going. We're even, even announced we're raising the ticket prices right. for 2022. And then things completely collapse and they fall apart. And you're going, all right, here, everybody loves Seidler. I mean, there's no one saying they trash is the guy. They feel no. bad for him because of the health scare. They like the guy, hasn't done anything to piss off the fans. He's, again, signed to Tease and wrapped mm-hmm. him up. But he's gone all in and wanted to prove with Fowler gone that, hey, I can take this team to the next level. And instead, they've taken a major step back to the point where fans are looking at it going, is the window closing on us instead of getting bigger? Well, there's two phrases I don't like that have been thrown around a lot of people in the media. Is one is, is all in. And maybe it's just how, how I look and define all in, and I could be wrong on this, is that when you say all in, I think of a team like the Bulls in their six-year run. Okay, we're going to win this year because next year we're breaking everybody up. When I look at all the trades that came down with the Padres had, Darvish, Snell, Musgrove, Nola, Clevenger, all those guys are back next year. So I don't think they're ever all in because I think that's what the Padres, and that's what Prellers always try to emphasize on that. Another thing that is uh, that people use a lot, and I've heard, I've heard you use it sometimes too, is that, you know, hey, it's not my money and they spend. The owners are going to make a certain amount of money. Why shouldn't they spend on the fans? And when you frame an argument like that, you're right. Absolutely right. But the problem is a good amount of people on Padres Twitter or Padre fans did not want to sign Hosmer for a variety of reasons. A yeah. lot of people are advanced on stats. And when you sign him for that amount of money, even though it's not your money, and you're, you're absolutely right on that, Dave, is that, but you're stuck with him. Yeah. And I mean, the thing time. is, when people complain and bitch justifiably about the Ty France moved and maybe even Josh Naylor. And we would have loved to have seen France Naylor as a combination first baseman for a million years instead of 20 million, which you get in for Hosmer. Yeah. Yep. But you, if you don't think you could trade Hosmer now when he is making 60 million, 
there's no way in 2020 you'd get someone to take $80 million right. for that guy. And the thing is, it's weird. Hosmer looks bad by the advanced stats. And the counter was Hedges, the people in advanced stats would always tell you, like, well, he's really a lot more valuable. You don't know what you're looking at. You go, okay, he's hitting 170. Yeah. All right? Period. <laughs> we can <Yeah>. stop there. <laughs> See, you know, what's funny, John, is I do blame Pete Seidler. And here's why. I spend my disposable income watching his product. He mm-hmm. is the gatekeeper. All the stuff that he's a wonderful guy, it's great. None of it matters. Because I'm also a Raider fan. Mm-hmm. Al Davis didn't always treat people the best. Larry Lucchino ran people ragged in that right. organization. But they're the gatekeepers to my team. When I go down there, I spend $200. We put money out. And I'm, I go to seven games a year. My buddy Stevie Woods is a... You know, season ticket holder. So right. I look at it for that. So what I say to Pete is, listen, man, I respect where you're coming from, but you're the gatekeeper for what this community loves. And there's news today that Mike Daly... Right. I didn't know who he was until then I looked him up. Yeah, he, you yeah, and I yeah, were chatting yeah. about yeah. it today. That Mike Daly is coming, to me, is the most arrogant BS move where you double down in this town where the frustration is so high about Jay Stingler or anything else, and where you don't say, hey, you know what? I'm going to hit the reset button, and we're going to go, and I'm going to find a guy from the Cleveland Indians or the Twins or the Royals. It doesn't matter. You do the same thing that you have done consistently. We read these numbers the other night over seven years, and you say, I'm going to do it again as an FU. That's where Pete Seidler has to step in. You know what this is, guys? I I was thinking about driving in. This absolutely is Marty Schottenheimer 2.0. And people freaked out in this town when Marty Schottenheimer got fired for being 14-2. and Here's what happened for those of you that don't know. Marty had had a complete falling out with A.J. Smith. Many layers to that onion. Mm -hmm. The team goes 14-2. and Wade Phillips gets hired as a head coach. Dave, am I right? The Texans, it doesn't matter. Did he go? Goes to the Texans. And now there's a defensive coordinator position open. Marty, in his fight against A.J. Smith, tells A.J., I want to hire Kurt Schottenheimer. A.J. says, you're not hiring Kurt Schottenheimer. You're not hiring your brother. And it's not like Kurt was some, you know, uh, Buddy Ryan. Nope, I'm going to hire Kurt Schottenheimer. A.J. goes to Dean. Dean gets involved and says, Marty, we're not building Hatfields, McCoys, Smith against Schottenheimer. Well, that's my guy. Dean said, it's not your guy. Get a defensive coordinator. Dean, this is my guy. And Dean said, you know what, Marty? You're fired. Because ultimately, I own the team. I call the shots. And I'm telling you, you can bring in who you want, but we're not going to do the nepotism thing with your brother. To me, Dave and, and John, this is what this reeks of tonight. This is where Pete needs to say, stop. We have done it. And the guys that come through the gates that love this team and buy the jerseys and do everything, have had enough of this. Go get anybody. And and Mike Daly, when you look at his Wikipedia tonight, I'm sure he's a hell of a nice guy. H is a nice guy. Nobody cares. His claim to fame is that he signed Josh Templin. And you go, what? If if this guy, if if he had gone through and you go, well, he came up and God dang, Jeff, yeah, he's with the Rangers. But you know, he signed Bernie Williams and he was part of G. Right, we start looking at all these guys. Then you go, okay, hang on. Maybe we do got another guy from the Rangers. John, it just makes me crazy because I feel like the clock is ticking. I looked at it tonight. 
Darvish has two years, right? right? Snell, Clevenger two. has one more. One more, yeah. Machado, the clock is ticking on. And and at some point you go, what are we expecting? When Nelson Cruz, Dennis Lynn, who I love, right? Nelson Cruz is the number one target. And in fairness to Preller, in fairness right. to AJ, we so many crazy things have happened in off seasons that none of us saw coming, starting with Machado and, and we can go to Darvish and Snell. Right. But I think this is where we got to say, hey, Pete, you have to step in and say, AJ, enough with the pipeline. I just, you know, you know the thing, it's what you recommended on the last pod, on podcast that some, everyone listened to, uh, and I did too, the one on that athletic. Oh, yeah, Brett. yeah, yeah. And that was great. And the first thing I thought about when they're bringing in the guy from the Rangers is, have you listened to the podcast by, by Bridget? You no. should. She points out that. What's her last name, John? Brit G- Ginoli, Ginoli or yeah, something. Yeah, I, I wanted to do, I, and, I felt and, disrespectful. And I didn't mean she, it. She's very good. So good. But he pointed out none of the coaches, you know, he got to pick. Tingler did. They were all somebody else. So yeah. that kind of hurt his power. But then AJ's bringing in only guys that he knows. Yeah. But Jace doesn't get the same thing. Now, my biggest thing with Ting- with Preller is there has to be something where they, like supposedly, I'm pretty sure this is true. I can say sources like a giant media superstar <laughs> that I am. AJ spent over, over 70 days on the road scouting the draft picks. You know, for this year's draft, I got. I can. I will bet you money. I don't know this. Andrew Friedman did not spend did seventy not. days no. on the road doing this. Andrew Friedman does not go to tryout camps for guys who were picked in the twentieth round. Yeah. Probably the guys even underneath Friedman don't do that. They the Dodgers go, but they have a different thing. So until AJ, like I think AJ would be a great guy who would be director of international scouting, director of amateur scouting and pro scouting and let him do that. Because I think as you get older, everybody in their life sits there and goes, I like doing this job. I don't like doing this job. I would rather fly to Curacao, go look at the Venezuelan (laughs) national team, (laughs) than sit there and field calls from Scott Boris going, why are you guys shitting on Eric Hosmer? You know, I mean, that's what you kind of have to do as a GM and, I don't know if he wants to do that. And he should be able to be mature enough to figure out what he wants to do. Does he have a hard time delegating? Does he just want to control so. every single thing and he can't delegate? Well, I mean, if you the one of the guys supposedly went out and saw was he went out and saw Jack Ladder pitch. Okay. Okay, the Padres are picking in number 26. Yeah, they aren't getting There's him. no way they're going to Ladder. Now, supposedly yeah. he wanted to see him because he saw him in high school. He wants to continue doing that. But And I think a lot of his thing is, I don't know if he doesn't, trust people but he kind of likes to see them and be in on the conversation i asked him about this once in the interview but you can't do that as a president yeah. of gm and the problem is if you picked some as what position he's in he's choosing people to manage people to manage people and if he can't do that then he probably shouldn't have the job and i like preller and i, I think he can change but i'm in a minority to be honest i'm in a minority of my opinion why do you think he know. can change I think one, I think he's a very bright guy. I think he wants to do this. And maybe part of me is I'm hoping he can do this. Yeah. But, and I'll be honest on that. But a lot of the guys who know him, as one guy told me, he said, you look in his eyes, you see a scout. Now, you know, yeah. Yeah, like at my job before COVID, I used to go on the road maybe about three times a year for two weeks at a time for international trips. And I really like that. The job above me means that I have to not go on any trips, means I get to sit in a room with a bunch of lawyers and policy people, and I have no, no desire to yeah. do that. I don't give yeah. a damn how much they pay. Now, you travel for your job, and you yeah. enjoy it a lot. Yeah. So I think AJ does, but I think to put 
tell AJ he can't go out and fly yeah. out and see someone that's like putting someone in a cage. Well, and I think Dave too, and Dave, you know it from your time at Benita Vista, but we have buddies. Mm-hmm. I think why there are so many people in AJ's corner hoping he turns this around is because how much baseball has changed and become analytical and bean counters and, and business right. guys, Harvard guys, right? John, for what you just said, when these guys look at him, he's still old school. He's still a scout. He oh, still very much. gets dirt under his nails. And they, I think there are a lot of people in baseball. But to me, you go, well, in seven years, we haven't moved anywhere. So this is why I'm really happy you're here. Because as we look ahead to this offseason, and assuming AJ's here, doesn't even matter who the manager is, huge offseason for him. Giant. Right? Because he's pretty much been beloved by this community and a very very patient fan base has let him go and then after what we've seen this year people are like all of a sudden now he's in the crosshairs so john as we look at this off season and you go through and look there's not a lot of money coming off the books none except for tommy Tommy fam's one tommy fam and, and a couple of other guys but but Cronenworth and Paddock and a bunch of guys are arbitration. I don't eligible. think Fam's coming back. When I was on Ben and Woods, they were talking about that. But uh, Wait, I, I, no, no I, I don't see that myself. No, so, I don't think he wants to come back. Yeah, but I think, yeah, mutual. I think it's that. Yeah. I don't so, think he gets $9 million from another team. No. Either. No. So money changes a little bit, right. right? Snell goes up a couple million. And you got to think, like I said, Cronenworth's going to get a raise, some other things. Right. So starting first, John, let me start with the international. Because mm-hmm. that was AJ's bread and butter with the Rangers. Right. Uh, you know, Adore and, and Profar and all these other guys came through him. As we look at it, it wasn't long ago where Michelle Baez and, and Adrian Morone, right? Jorge Ona, Dave, you and I were there at Fox Sports San Diego, all excited. Starting with the international prospects, and John, they could be kids as, long as, as young as 16, 17. I know they go young. How is that pipeline looking, and how do we look for this offseason and next offseason? Because I know there have been changes to how you can spend and where you can spend. How is San Diego set up with guys that are currently here? And to the best of your knowledge, how are they set up moving ahead into the future if there's a prospect they like? They trade away some of their top guys to get Darvish. Yeah, Preciado was someone they really liked a lot. Uh, Santana, uh, Ismael Mendez. They've focused a little bit more on Mexico. They got mm-hmm. the kid Adrian Martinez, who we can talk about, who was uh, kind of interesting to see in El Paso. But the big miss, and I, I, I think I was on, I was on your show last time, was was mm-hmm. was Morahone. Morahone, when he's on, was every bit as good as as Gore. But the problem is, he only pitched about sixty four innings. And I remember one guy told me the problem with a lot of the guys from Cuba, which are different than the men, because I'm sorry, my phone's beeping, is um, that the Cuban guys pitch internationally, they only pitch like once every 10 days. And one pitcher who said the problem with Adrian is he doesn't know the difference between being injured, hurt, and sore. And, you know, they had trouble getting him. And, you know, Onya was a guy who was sold that, Oh, he's a guy who's more of a corner outfielder. He can maybe play some center. We saw him. He's, I mean, he makes Josh Nader look like a ge- fucking gazelle out there. Yeah. 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 So that wasn't it. They've had some luck with the kind of the guys in the, the bottom. Like- Oni has been hurt. He played like about one game then. Uh, 
um, more Holland has it. Am I right? Yeah, it was seven million. But the worst thing is, you got to look that they had to pay double the fines. Remember that's went over. Oh, yeah. So it's fourteen million. And the other one is a lot of money. Was you know Morahone got eleven million, but that's a twenty-two million dollars thing. And I don't think they ever really kind of got through to him. And he was really good. I think they're kind of set up okay. They they like doing that. They scout really hard in Venezuela and Mexico. Some of the biggest guys they got lucky on was they saw Patino throwing a side session. Yeah, crazy. they signed him for one hundred and fifty. Other guys, you know, they signed Luis Almanzar. I've seen him play for about three years and. In Fort Wayne, he said about two ten. They gave him yeah. four million bucks. You know, and AJ's. I like AJ a lot, probably more than you guys. But you know, you can. I think I, one time I was going back and forth to Dave, and we can go over about four or five things where they spent a lot of money. And like the, the one that was the dumbest one was, <laughs> you know, remember they signed, they traded for Philip Hughes. Yeah, and I thought, okay, this is pretty good. They're going to get someone who can be good. They're spending ten million dollars and not doing that, so that's fine. They drafted a hit kid called Grant Little. He's maybe about six six feet, 180, and we see him play, and he only plays left field. Wow. He doesn't hit for power, not an infielder. And I was talking with David Jay, and we're going, okay, I can see taking a guy like Buddy Reed. Doesn't work out. He yeah. could have been a super. I'm fine with that. But when you're getting a guy to start with, and you go, oh, he's not going to hit home runs. He's a little dude and only plays left field. I mean, you better hit a ton. And Yeah, Grant I mean, you're a not. corner guy. You expect yeah. big numbers. Exactly. So – that they're kind of, but the biggest problem AJ has, you kind of go back to it, is you don't really know. There's too much, there's not enough separation of powers, and the easiest place to show it is on the player development side. Yeah. When Sam Ganey was in charge, the guy in charge of uh, the coordinators is Chris Kemp. Yeah. Chris Kemp was also in charge of international scouting. Chris Kemp's a good buddy of AJ. So that'd be like, that would be like if Dave was the guy in charge of player development. He's reporting yeah. you as a GM. And I'm your best friend. I'm in charge of uh, the coordinators. Yeah, I want to tell the coordinators, yeah, they, they, yeah, don't know Sam. Listen to listen to me. You can't have that. The yeah. guy in charge of player development has to be the dude that's in charge of that. And that's the problem I see with AJ and the seventy plus days on the road scouting. I don't see, I don't see enough separation delegation. And as one guy even told me, who's at a different organization now. I asked him how he compared it to the Padres. He said, well, when this one guy makes a decision at another unnamed uh, place, there's a, he talks to everybody, but there's about four or five guys in the room at the end. Yeah. And that's it. He said, well, Preller, there's all these guys. He wants all this information. No one's ever going to give him crap for his work ethic or how much he likes the game. But I think where I'm kind of getting on him a little hard is his processes. Yeah. Mm. And that's the part where I think Seidler has to go on him. Oh, God, man, they're getting ass. Oh, <laughs> I was joking with Dave. Even the AAA team's getting their butts kicked by the OKC Dodgers tonight. <laughs> <laughs> so a couple things is, again, I'm not around the minor leagues. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm around a ton of guys, though, through high school baseball, through travel ball right. baseball that are getting ready for drafts or have, have been involved in organizations for years. And when I talk to those guys, I'm always interested to know, you know, what are the Cardinals doing, the Rays doing, yeah. the Dodgers doing? And you get a chance to talk to every team. You're around these guys more than I am. And so I'm sure you ask a lot of questions yourself. Like I ask a a ton of questions and I'm always curious. I'm never trying to say, Hey, tell me dirt on the Padres. Yeah. But what other organizations outside of your own do you respect? And it's always the same ones. It's always the Dodgers, the Rays, the Braves, the Cardinals. It's always, it's always the same five basically. And then it's always a shot taken at the Padres and it's, it's always, they're so far behind 
And there are people who I talk to have been in baseball for 40 years will say, I learned stuff from these guys that I'd never even heard of, but they do stuff that would make your head spin on how to get the best out of a player. Once they get that player, they develop them. And they, and you, you listen to Cal Quantrill talk about the Indians, another one right. that gets a lot of praise as well as the Indians organization. But you go, why? Why are we so far behind, meaning San Diego? And what does it take to change if AJ doesn't think you need to change? Well, I, I did I did say this on Ben and Woods. I gave them an example, and you can do the same thing here. Is It's scouting and development. Yeah. So <clears throat> since Jeff likes to travel, use example. Jeff's out there traveling around, signing these guys. He finds a guy who throws 95 miles an hour. Dave's in charge of development in Peoria. And, well, the guy throws 95, but he doesn't have a delivery that's sustainable. So when he doesn't have that, it's down to 91. Then suddenly his breaking pitches don't look so good. And you used to see this before Preller. Then Jeff says, hey, I just ring in talent. I can't help yeah. it if, these guys, if he <laughs> screws up. And then you point your finger back in that. I think they're good in scouting, but it kind of goes back to what I just said. I think AJ really likes to scout. I think he loves doing that and going out. He doesn't come out to the affiliates. So the, one of the big complaints the affiliate guys have who want to see their teams win the local guys yeah. there it said our guys are on the field too long by the time it comes to about 6 30 these guys are just dead so there needs to be a change in how they do things and like with Quantrill, i thought about this last night when i was driving down i texted jeff in 2018 when i was out in san antonio and yeah. i think he's Quantrill was the fourth best pitcher on that team not even close i mean logan allen was better than him jake nix was better than him Chris Paddock was better than him. And, you know, he was trying to throw all these different pitches. And I think what happened with the Indians is they came in and said, hey, cut the three, throw the four-seam fastball, slider, change it. And if you read the article on Eric Lauer, yeah. same thing. Eric Lauer was really talented, but you need someone. That guy, Eno Saris, I think is really good because I think there's scouting. I think there's development. And they have guys there, but they're not listening enough to the, the data guys. Because as much as you got a bunch of Ivy League guys running the Padres, they all have this kind of affectation that they're old-time scouts. You, know, you get the dip in there. and You're looking to go, you know, you went to Cornell, man. I mean, what, yeah. what the hell is up with that? So, you know, and, and this, this kills me to say this, too, is as much as I like crapping on Dave and the Dodgers and all this, is that the Dodgers do it a lot better than the Padres. Yeah. And, you know, if you think I'm full of it, you, I want you to name one guy, the one Padre that's a Max Muncy, that's a Chris Taylor. Right, uh, Justin that's Turner. That's Justin Turner that was on the scrap heap, and they took him, and they fixed him, and they changed him around. Your big success is what, Jerkson Port Profar? Yeah. That, that, that's your guy. And the thing about the Dodgers that is really frightening is, you know, when they took Buddy Reed, who I liked looking at a lot, but just in the end could not hit. Yeah. The guys, the Dodgers took in that same draft after they took Dustin May and they took Will Smith. Yeah. So the Dodgers wow. even can look at guys and think, okay, if he's doing certain things, and they, the Dodgers do a great job from when I talk to the guys at Baseball America of, you know, blending a lot of uh, scouting. They have their development guys and they do different models. Like what killed me is with the, I'll go real quick. Was one of our writers, Mark Wilkins, sent me an article on the Giants, and the Giants have been really good at finding minor league free agents. Yeah, and the thing that it was fascinating that Mark pointed out about this article was the Giants pro scout staff picked out about 800 guys, then whittled the list down to about this number, then got down to 50. And in the, the in the article, the, the GM Franz Zahardi, I think, pronounced yeah. name, he pops his head and he goes, "Hey, you guys ready to present?" He goes, "No, no." The guy goes. We'll talk to you in a little bit. Yeah. Once they get the list down to 10 or 12 people, 
then they present it, and then they sign him. But the difference on the Giants compared to the Padres, there's nothing in there about, hey, guess what? Farron went on and saw 50 of these guys play, yeah. and he did this. I mean, what that means is he set up a system. He yeah. has people going this. He has people we trust, and then he makes decisions, and that's what we need to see. See, what's funny is, and, and it's another thing going, Dave, back to that athletic podcast that they pointed out was the insane amount of transactions that the Giants oh, did, yeah. John. I found that fascinating. Where Definitely. We've all been on those email chains, and daily they were talking about the Giants are doing five to ten moves a day, and often it's guys not going anywhere. But they need a fresh arm in the bullpen, so this guy's being sent down to Sacramento, and he stays right there. And that's the thing, I think, too, why I've been so vocal about I think it's time for Preller to go. Because it's not only what's going on in San Diego – but you have two guys that are very similar in Andrew Friedman and yeah. what they're doing with the Dodgers and Zahidi with what they're doing with right. the Giants. And to me, it looks like as a horse racing guy, this looks like Sunday silence and easy goer. And you go, this is going to be a hell of a race between these guys. And then you go, well, who do I got? We're it's a little mule. dramatic to go. It's <laughs> Mr. Ed, but we're starting to feel a little bit like we got Mr. Ed and, and, and the rock star GM. And so that's when I look at it and I go, Zahidi and and Friedman already have about, again, using my horse racing analogy, John, in my opinion, they have about a four-length lead and we're on the backstretch. And the more time that goes by, it's going to be these two pulling out. I can't speak to what they're doing in Arizona or Colorado, but you just look at where these guys are cut. And, and it brings me to right. this guy. Talk about, to your role or, or to your knowledge, when Logan White came here, yeah. we were thrilled. I, I was thrilled. A lot of Padre fans were thrilled. Right. Because as much as we love Bill Brick and we loved Chief Gaten and, and Grady and all the other guys that were there and, and the guys that had been here with Jed Hoyer and moved on, Jason McLeod and others. Yeah. You go, goddamn, Logan White has the track record of success. He's a good guy. He's, he's drafted dude. a lot of guys. Why isn't he the guy out seeing 70, 80 guys? Yeah, but that what you're talking about is, is the problem. Is Logan White is a good guy. Yeah. And Logan White sees a lot of guys. And how what I just said is AJ likes guys going out, but he wants to see himself. Yeah. He kind of has a visual thing. Got but it. the thing is, the way Preller operates was fine between 2016 and 2019. When they weren't any good, who Because you need yeah. to get talent in here. But we're talking about there's a transition. They're supposed to be good. That type of action or behavior doesn't really play enough. And if you're comp like, what was the article where we read about uh, on the athletic where the Dodgers and the Giants have this machine where they put uh, goggles on a guy and he can see the release point and yep. all this. Why don't, why doesn't San Diego exactly. have that? Yeah. Because I don't think that's not part of scouting. And that's where you got to get AJ over here. Like you're a kid going, you got to focus. Yeah. I know you're really good at math and science, but you got to pay attention to your English homework too. Yeah. And that's the best analogy I can think of. You know, it's funny is one of the things as I've been lucky enough to have a lot of kids get drafted over the last few years. Mm -hmm. One of the things that surprised me is as we see guys throw harder and harder is the eye test. Yeah. Meaning not, not the eye test visualizing going that guy I can tell by the way he looks, he's a player, meaning they literally take the players and test their vision. And right. if you aren't, 2013 or better you're, you're you're off the hook yeah. meaning that hey you, you your brain cannot focus hitting 
a ball that is going 99 to 100 miles an hour that you need to have a certain vision and there's so many players i have that have to go back and take the test three and four times they want to make sure that the eye test is is there can they pass that eye test because whether it's high school like nothing against kim but we all know that kim hadn't seen higher than 86 before he came here and now he hasn't been able i'm not sure about that because i've been in korea a few times for work and i've been to a couple of the korean baseball games and they they you know, they bring over Americans that can throw 95. Yeah, then how come they, seems like he hasn't adjusted? It's taken all year. It's not it as like, many. It's not yeah. as consistent. You know, like you might see when, like is, when people talk about old time baseball guys, like they think Walter Johnson may have thrown like 90 miles yeah. an hour. There, there just weren't as many of them. Korean baseball games are a blast to go to, man. They got cheerleaders up there. They got some guy who's a yell leader. Looks like he was in North Korea. Chani- <laughs> <laughs> you know, Finding like guys out there, so that's that's a blast to go. You go to the, the Korean games; you have a fun time at that. But it's a very different atmosphere. But yeah, I mean, I just think I think they need to have as much as I like crapping on consultants in my real life. They they need a consultant to come in there and just establish management chains, yeah. chain of command. Like you wouldn't put up with that. Like the analogy you just gave me on development. You'd come yeah. to Jeff. Go, I can't do this. If if Connor's running around telling my guys one thing or that, then. He's responsible. I'm not. John, as we look at it, it's been such a crazy year last year mm-hmm. with COVID for minor leagues. And then this year, again, the whole thing. So I had to stay home. My wife bitched about that. <laughs> you know, she, she, I told Jeff is that she, uh, she heard me on, on Ben and Woods and she said like, oh yeah, you were good on there. It was fun hearing you, but they were way too nice to you. You know, I want to put an incentive out there for people to jab you. Uh, so I'm going to go on those guys show who like uh, making fun of me because I'm from these counties. She goes, oh good. Yeah. I can be like a, like to call me here. I can be a lifeline if they need some help. I'll give them some ammunition. Mean person. Uh, <laughs> So as we look ahead to next year, and we hope mm-hmm. that things trend and we can almost get back to where minor leagues were. Look, we made a big deal. Everybody made a big deal of the combined records of the minor leagues. But I think if you look big picture, you're starting to look at what do we have in places. So as you look at Elsinore, let's start with the A's. Mm-hmm. As you look at Elsinore and you look at maybe what they're going to have there in 22, what was there at the end of 21, maybe compared to what they had in 17 and 18 and 19. A lot of dudes have gone out the doors for trades, but we're still scouting, we're still drafting, we're still signing They had a good draft agents. this year, I thought, yeah. Yeah, so starting with Elsinore, because we're thinking about that pop pipeline, right? I, I refuse to use the Boris line. Is Elsinore going to start having guys that you look at and go, yeah, I mean, I was able to take my kids out there. Right. We talked about Buddy Reed. We had a blast watching Buddy right. Reed out there, but we knew, uh, we saw Gore, we saw Paddock, we saw Patino and Lauer and Lucchese, right? All guys that made it to the bigs outside of Reed. But as we start with there, are there guys that you look at and say, hang on, as we look at the A's, are there still guys there we go, yeah, three, four years. These guys very realistically should be making contributions in the bigs. Well, the guy we're going to be talking about a lot, I think, in the next two years is the guy who had their second-round pick. But since, you know, Dave knows a lot of kids who get drafted by high school, it doesn't really matter what round they're picked. It means what, where the money is. Yes. Yeah. That's how I always look at it. the guy. So their real first-round pick was a kid named James Wood. Who is who's six foot seven athletic, yeah. plays center field. Now we did an interview. I did an interview with Keith Law. Oh, and yeah. Keith crapped all over Wood. Keith said, you know, I talked to all these scouts, he looked disinterested, he struck out twenty five percent of the time, and I can't believe he was picked this way. Now, 
Wood had a good year in the Arizona League, and it's for sure. He had 372 with about a 480 on base and 500 wow. power. So, you know, but the Arizona League is a long way away from San Diego, and it's even a long way away from Double A. Anytime you got an athletic six foot seven kid who can hit and plays center, that gets my attention. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Jackson Merrill is a kid they got in the first round for 1.8. He could be pretty good. Robert Gasser. But the thing with prospects where you have to be careful, especially when you're doing a podcast which kind of focuses on the big leagues, you can't mention like 20 guys. You got to mention about two or three who got a chance to make yeah. it up. Are you going to lose the audience going, well, this guy looks really good. He could be something a devil. Yeah, I mean, Unless you're really into the weeds like that, then uh, no. But the guy that Robert Hassel was there, he'll be in Fort He He should be in Fort Wayne. He possibly could be in double-A. Uh, Angelis Arubio was a guy, Brandon Velazuela, a catcher. So I think There's the Padres, a few guys there. The, the Padres have about a middle system, but the problem with that definition is when you say a middle system, you could have three guys in the top 20 and a bad system overall. Yeah. Or you could have the same one where you could have top 100. You could have 10 guys, highest one is 80. So I'd rather have the top three. And the Padres have C.J. Abrams, who Wellman, Philip yeah. Wellman liked a lot in San Antonio, who's, you would really like Wellman if you yeah. had that. Wellman's throwing, Wellman. the, throwing the grenades. Oh, Wellman's a, Wellman's a trip, man. He gets in there. His best thing is when he sits there and just talks off the record. I mean, put the best thing I like about Philip Wellman in about five seconds, you know where you stand with him. There's not, a, there's not a whole lot of ambiguity there. And the players like him. He is just blunt. He was one game I talked to him afterwards. He like, we're about the same age. He likes to talk to me. He goes, I watched the game last night, and there were 27 things that pissed me off. So I had to make sure I got that out of my system and let the guys know that. And he said something like, I want a John Wayne out there. I want coffee. guys to drink coffee black. If you hit cream, get the fuck out. And, and a bunch of guys are looking like, what does he even mean? You know? But he's a, he's a great guy. I'm a huge fan he's of He's the his. guy who crawled up on yeah, the mound and threw the did. grenade, right? Yeah, he did. Yeah, you know that's our kind of guy, right? Yeah, there. oh, yeah. He's he's a, he's a very good guy. But, yeah, so I think there's, there's some stuff that can come up. But the one thing that as Padre fans we have to remember is they built this system up by – having high draft picks by taking anything of value off the major league team and trading them for prospects and going over on the international. So now for them to kind of build up the system, it's going to have to be pretty much through draft picks. So yeah. it's going to be, you, you can't miss. Speaking of guys that can't miss, what about Gore? Where are we standing with Gore? You know, I did, I did a lot. I tried doing a lot of research on the last trip and I, the best information that I could come up with. And again, I apologize all the sources and stuff, because if I say that they'll tell the guy, guys who he is, is from what I understand in 2019, after the futures game, the knock on Gord always been by the scouts was he has such, and you guys have all seen him pitch. Yeah. He has such kind of an unusual athletic motion. The thought was, well, Gore's not going to, do this when he's 30 so he could possibly get hurt and in 19 after the features game supposedly he had like a bit of a sore arm and sore shoulder and that's where they decide well let's fix him now let's do the change and then mckenzie as one guy said he was good in amarillo not great and so he gets and this is the problem he gets about 10 guys telling him something what he's supposed wow. to do and, you know, and he, that's going on right now. I know some guy said he, the last time you saw him, he had like a three-hour pitching session where he'd throw. Let's go over and take a look at your, the video. Oh, we'll look geez. at this, where you measured. And then, you know, he lost a lot of um, he lost a lot of confidence. And that's something that's kind of yeah. big. It's like 
for instance, when I played high school basketball, I knew the guy above me was better than me. He proved it to me every single day by kicking my butt in practice. Okay, but a lot of these guys are so good, they've never had any failure at all athletically. So that kind of really gets to him. Could he do something? I think he could. I mean, I think, I think that might be one of the reasons why Ganey kind of lost his job, which is unfortunate because I don't think he's fully responsible for that. I think if one guy is, I, I know one guy in the system, for instance, like this, a uh, manager there told one of his players is a pretty good prospect. When the Rovers come through, you come to us, you tell us what they tell, told you, and we'll let you know if you can do it. Now, if that's happening in the wow. system, that's not a good plan. Like if you were, we go back to the example, if you were the head of development, you'd kind of, okay, guys, we need to talk. I'm not saying you'd fire anybody, but we need to be all yep. on the same plan exactly. with this kid. Like I mean, I can imagine when you coach, Maybe a hitting coach is telling a guy something or you're telling him something. And I'm, I'm assuming you're saying when you're on my team and my clubs, yeah. we're doing it like this. If yeah. you don't, it's cool. Good luck to you. I wish the best. Well, yeah, the attitude is if, I'm, if I have the job and if I'm getting fired because of failure, it's going to be because of my yeah. decisions. Yeah, and I think that's the big problem. I think that's where more attention needs to be paid. I like the confidence thing, though, because it circles back to what you talked about with James Wood. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, Arizona League may be a long way from double-A, but in my opinion, John, if you have a young guy like that and he's going into the offseason and he's feeling good about where he was, you guys know we've been around this game our entire life, and we've seen it with the double-A guys, the triple-A guys, but you see it with the major league guys. If your head's not right, and you're not really feeling like the guy calling the shots believes in you, dude, that's why the, the Gore thing, you can see right. change happen. John, we know the top four. We've talked about the top four with Abrams and Hassel and Camposano and mm -hmm. Gore. But that's why I love Matt Fryers, because you guys help us learn about a lot. Well, thank you. That's no, nice really, and I mean that sincerely. As you look at five through ten, right? Yeah. And, and I know everybody's, but you know what I'm saying. Five through fifteen. A couple of years ago, man, Keith Law and everybody, Jim right. Callis, it's all we talked about. But now when you look at 5 through 15, 5 through 20, how is it? Is it paper thin? Is it decent? What's the letter grade you well, put on that? Well, there's six of us on the site, so we're, we all kind of... Uh, I love our, when you guys do this, too. Oh, it's always fun when you guys do We all do our top, top 30s, and then we combine them. And, you know, uh, it's not like the old uh, Darren, Darren Smith show when he was on uh, 1090 where it was a great question. It's like if I put someone up a little too high, then Charity run in and go, oh, God, kind of screwed up. The old man, we got to take him away. He put a reliever at like eight. Oh, Jesus, let's get him out of here. So it's going to be, you know, you're going to probably five. This guys like Joshua Mears, the big big uh, right-hand yeah. slugger in Elsinore. It could be James Wood. It could be Rubio Anglis. It could be a lot of guys. It just It's just in the... Uh, and it's a lot of it's subjective. And the thing that kind of makes prospect ranking, or not ranking, but just following them, is anytime you think you got the answer or you sure. know something, it just kicks you right in the nuts. And I mean, a, a good example is like where we missed is, um, you know, years ago we had Jeff Decker. He's one of the top guys. Yeah. And I mean, if I came on here and he hit like about, he had like a 900 OPS at 18 in low A, gets in better shape, misses a month, then comes back on June through August, hits 370 with power. But what he used to do was he was so disciplined, he would force the pitcher to kind of throw him a fastball. If they throw him a slider out there, he wouldn't touch it. He'd just wait for his pitch. So he gets to double A, 
And suddenly a guy can throw a pair of sliders out there mm-hmm. for strikes. And you get on two counts and no one can hit like that. Then the question is, what are you going to do? And that's why when you look at what someone's project, what someone's going to do in the future, the whole thing is, well, I don't know because I got to see what type of adjustments you make. Mm. Like if I said I was right, that Decker wouldn't hit, and I came on and I told you that, I go, yeah, you know, he hits for power and he, uh, he forces the pitcher to throw him fastball, but I don't know how well you can hit the slider somebody doesn't want. So I'm not sure how good he is. It'd be... Oh, okay. well, thanks, John. We're going to talk with Brian Curry about what's going on. <laughs> you know, I mean, you you got to. That's the beauty of baseball is it's all. And when you have Brett Boone here, he talks all about adjustments. When they do this, what do you do? Yeah, no, they're absolutely right. So when you look at uh, the Padres, one thing that always stands up my mind because we've been going over AJ's resume a lot right. and saying, you know, what has he done since he was hired in 2014. Mm-hmm. I always say you look at the 2015 season when they decided to go after and get big-time starts in. As you mentioned earlier in the show, that Mike D probably had a lot to do with that. That's our guess. Okay, and a guess. And so, you know, we all know the names, the Kemps and the Uptons, and right. the Upton brothers and Kimbrell, and on and on and on with all these big names that they, they brought in. And, and Padre fans were extremely excited. Well, 65 games into that season, they said, fuck this plan, and they much. go, yeah. we have to start over. Yeah. In my head, I always think the organization lost years because of that. If they would have had that plan from the second he was hired in 2014 and started the process in 2015, we wouldn't be where we are now. We would be where they should be in 2024, 2025. That, one, of, that, one of the guys told me, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to catch no, not off. at all. One of the guys told me, uh, who was with AJ in Texas, shocking, um, <laughs> that he was with the Padres. He said that. Down to 400. Yeah, he said that, you know, when Preller came in, they, he said he and Daniels kind of did the same thing in Texas. A lot The Padres had a fairly highly ranked system under Hoyer, but supposedly those weren't the types of players that Preller wanted. So he kind of went, he cleared out a lot of the prospects. And we'll talk about Trey Turner, and yeah. we'll talk about Max Freed de- de- yeah. definitely today. And so he made, that kind of gave him an excuse to kind of get his own type of guys in there. Because when AJ looks to scout people, when you interview him, the first thing he always talks about, you're going to hear the word, is he a championship player? So he's always looking for upside. And a lot of the guys they picked before were guys who could probably make the majors, which is a huge thing as someone who knows a lot of people in the minor leagues. But there's a difference between making it and being really good. Yeah. That, that's a tough thing. Because if you went out to a, if you and I went out to a game at like Elsinore and mm-hmm. we saw a guy who's going to be a major league player, you'd stand out. Yeah. But the thing is, he makes the major leagues. Is he a standout player or is just a guy? Yeah, is he a guy, right? Yeah. And I'd say to AJ, you're full of shit because you signed Hosmer, <laughs> you signed Profar, you signed Kim, you signed Myers to an extension when you didn't have to. And none of these fuckers are championship players. Well, Hosmer, the one thing about, and I hope I don't sound like an AJ apologist, but no, what, that, what the hell. But uh, yeah, I had to admit I was a prospect hugger on Ben and Woods, which was kind of cool, <laughs> which is fun. But uh, they, Hosmer doesn't make. Hosmer to me always seemed like a Fowler signing because they need their payroll was so low, and that was kind of a guy to take. Because if you look at the Padres, they don't even draft first baseman. Yeah, and, and yeah. up and down the system, there's no one that's a dedicated first baseman. That's they, just kind of a they spot didn't they give have. Alan Dykstra a chance, John. <laughs> God, Dykstra, yeah. See, that's the thing, and that goes back to Mike D too. Now I I can't speak to Ron because Ron's cool. Mm-hmm. But Mike D came with Lucchino, and Lucchino talked to anybody in that Padres organization. Kevin himself would say the same. Lucchino was great because if Kevin went to do something wild baseball, Larry would have to sign off on it. But Larry knew what the hell he was talking about. And I think a lot of people in that organization that were coming up gave Larry his due credit. And I think Mike 
hearing those stories, Mike thought, well, if Larry can do it, I can do it. No, you sold the Glidden fucking paint can and left it field. <laughs> that was your claim to fame. And I hope, and Ron played, you know, Little League Baseball in Minnesota. So, yeah, maybe that happened. Yeah. But, it, I mean, it was just, it's insane. Um, the thing that made me insane the, uh, a couple of weeks ago, I think you and I were texting about this. They, they were ready from all reports, national and local, they were ready to put Hassel in a deal with forty million to get Joey Gallo here. I, you know, I, I've read that, and also where you're quoting that is, I believe it's from Dennis Lynn, who I have a lot of respect sure. for. Yeah. yeah, I just don't, I don't see it for two reasons. Is one okay, and I don't know. I'm going to trust Dennis for me. Just from a logic standpoint, that's one. That's a lot of money, and two, if you're Texas, as much as I like Robert Hassel, you're still on. That was mid season, so you're still on the hook for about what. About maybe twenty four, twenty five million of Hosmer's salary. Who, by all accounts, is a worthless player. According to according to War, he's yeah. a, a, a replacement yeah. player. Worthless is a bad word. Replacement player, not worth that. I'm not paying twenty seven million dollars for a guy who's a first round pick. Maybe it's, yeah. maybe some team would, but I don't think that made sense to Texas. And I don't know. It just doesn't seem. But all. Yeah. But I would trust what you said more because there's so many people who said that did happen. And, and so you've seen him. Mm -hmm. When you look at Hassel, and, and we all get it, we all know the disclaimer, hey, where, where you are in AA. But you guys have seen him. That's why I love having you here. I haven't seen him, but David and Kevin have seen okay. him. Okay. Right. So Matt Fryers have but seen But I'm him. not like AJ. I trust my guys. Right. <laughs> As we do, too. I really do. I trust, yeah. David and Kevin are very good. I'm not wrong, right? When I say impactful, special. You right. and I were texting that day, John. Or, or a couple of weeks ago. Sure. And you and I were saying one one a it doesn't matter. These are the guys. A legitimate question about who's better, him or Abrams? I think you and, can say. And that's the thing that concerned me was I get it that you want to get out from under Hosmer, but holy cow, that might be one that we look back at six seven years from now and go, okay, Hosmer's gone, we're off the hook, and Hassel's making an impact, right? Well, that's why I don't really like you know if you I hate giving the Dodgers credit, but that's why with the Dodgers, they only, they give Mookie Blaylock the big, big years. They Mookie don't give, bets. they don't, Mookie bets. I'm sorry. Yeah. Blaylock. I'd, yeah. They give Mookie the big, big years. They don't give anybody else. They, they yeah. keep flexibility. And yeah. so when you sign these guys like, like Hosmer, I mean, that's why I don't like the phrase. It's not my money. Cause you're stuck. It is. Yeah. It is our money. Cause we're all in it together. Yeah. Yeah. It is. our money. Well, yeah. I mean, Pete signing the checks, but we're the guys going out. <gasps> Watching and, and doing everything. I would say the big, and you guys could speak to this much better than I. I know you guys don't have talked to Pete. You know, you know people who know Peter Seiler, but you haven't interviewed him personally. Correct. You guys talk to Spanos a lot. Yeah. yeah. The difference I would say from what I understand is, you know, Pete Seiler took the money that O'Malley's had from the Dodgers and turned it into a successful hedge fund. I haven't, I've known some people in finance. Most of them are not stupid. Yeah. So right. he kind of earned his own money. If I'm correct, I don't think. He never did anything on his own. He inherited a lot of cash. Is right. that true? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. I think the one thing that kind of gave me some hope was in Dennis's article, there was a small sentence saying, like, the moves that are being done are being done to streamline the decision-making process. So maybe Peter Sadler did come in and say, you know, this stuff where you're constantly getting on a plane and that, that yeah, that's a change. <laughs> you mentioned, I want to say with C.J. Abrams for a second. Where yeah. do you see his future with the Padres? When he gets called up, what position does he play? Well, the Padres have only had him on the dirt. They had him at shortstop because, as you know, 
if you can play shortstop, you can play yes. anywhere. They played him a little bit at second base. They haven't put him in the outfield yet. I think I think what they would like to do, I'm not sure they can do that. I think they'd love to put him at second base and move Cronenworth over to first and mm. keep him on the dirt. He's Tatis is a better shortstop than than CJ Abrams. Yeah. And I'm the I one sure you're gonna say center field. He could play center field. They just haven't done it yet. And I think, you know, you got Hassel out there who can who who they like a lot. But Hassel can has a flexibility to play right and, yeah. and left easily. Um the one knock I have on CJ is I just miss seeing CJ in person when I'm at San Antonio. They crack his his fibia. But uh Philip Wellman, the manager, was gave a really good uh interview with us and he had managed Tatis and we asked him about the difference between Tatis and Abrams and most managers wouldn't do it but Philip has no problem talking goes, sure I'll do that he goes the difference is he said you ever notice how much time Fernando spends on the ground you never see CJ on the ground CJ's really smooth he probably runs a little quicker at this age than Fernando did has a little bit better strike zone not as much power he's not a violent player as he put it like Fernando is but he said he's a lot to like about him I mean, he's one. Of, he has like Trey Turner type speed. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And Turner, I saw in San Antonio in. I saw him in 2016, and he was one of my. He's probably my one of my favorite interviews. I, I went out there and I talked to him. And one, you know, I've seen pictures of your kids when they were about 12. That's what yeah. that's what Turner looked like. Yeah, I mean, little guy. Right? Was, no, he was. He's about six feet. He's about this narrow. Yeah. He looked like he never shaved in his life. And I asked him. I said, "Well." Can you stick at shortstop? There's been some questions about your arm. And he, he remember, he, he was very nice, very polite. He said, you know, guys like you come out here all the time and talk about what I can't do. And I know what I can do. And I know how much better I get. And the numbers prove I get better every day. And I'm going to be in the big leagues wow. and be an all-star. I go, okay, you know, let's, let's <laughs> yeah, get going. Yeah. And he made one play. You'd like this as a coach. It was a one nothing game. And he had rolled over twice. So the third time comes up, one out. He goes nice and smooth, goes to the right field, goes with the pitch. It's about the eighth inning, one out. Everyone knows he's running. On the third pickoff over there, ball skips and bounces off his helmet. He takes one pop up, mm-hmm. takes off, puts his head down, doesn't even look back, circles second, head first slide in the third base, beats it by about a foot. And after the game, we're all amazed what he did. And I asked him, I said, how'd you know the guy wasn't going to throw? He goes, well, I, I looked up. I knew the second baseman was going to probably get the ball, not the right fielder. He didn't have a strong enough arm, so if I dove the outside bar of the bag, I'd be safe. I'd go, you figured that like that? And he goes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, Dave and I were on the air, and all that stuff was going on with Preller. Yeah. And we had just come back. We had just come back in June. Uh, June of 14, we had gone back to 1360, and that's right around that draft. And the thing, that was the one I've always said, even that day on the air, when they're going out and making deals for Matt Kemp, I wasn't in on Yasmani Grandal. Mm-hmm. And and Justin Upton was always the guy we loved, right? Kimbrell, you're excited about. And you knew Max Freed, the whole thing. But the Myers trade was different, and Dave will back me on that. I said on the air, I don't like this at all. And you know why, John? Because we started talking to guys within the organization after that draft pick had been made. And it's the same thing you do every year, whether it was right. Ladanian Tomlinson being a number one pick. Mm-hmm. And in this case, it was Trey Turner. And Dave, you probably remember this. There were different guys we talked to, and they said he's different. Oh, yeah. He's different, and he's special, and he runs like the wind, and he plays short, but they're like, he's just, he's cut different. 
And then all of a sudden he's gone. And I remember we just talked about it on the air. And I, I didn't know a lot about Will Myers. I wasn't watching Royals or Tampa baseball. But I just remember the way they talked about him, John. And you're out on the road all the time. I want to get into this. There are certain guys that come up that when you have not seen them, and they could be playing in the Dodgers organization or playing in the Padres organization, and you talk to as many people as anybody and go, hey, tell me about you know, John Smith. John, he's different. He's different, and you're going to see it. And then all of a sudden, that guy is gone. It's just, you know, well, baseball about, guys. About how, but the thing is about Turner is about half the guys said just what you said. Yeah. Different and all that. Other half kind of said, he's a skinny, white, college shortstop. Yeah. Takes a big swing. He's not going to be crap. But the yeah. pods guys were right. That's ultimately it, right? Well, the Josh Burns guys and the guy... Well, God, I forget the guy who did the draft. I mean, this kind of gave you a little bit of a pause. Was He was the same guy who told me we were wrong to see Travis Jankowski as a slap hitter because he wasn't. He was going to hit with power and do all this stuff. And he said the same thing on Turner. So, you know, I, I wish yeah. Turner turned it on. He had a hell of a year in this draft year. And supposedly the Padres realized they made a big mistake. Now, according to the guys I talked to at Baseball America, the reason the trade was made was because – the one big guru that Preller really listened to was Don Welke. And yep. Welke's thing is, if you have a shortstop, the guy needs to have about a 70 arm. And Turner's a, a great player, yeah. but he's not that type of shortstop. I mean, obviously it was a mistake, but one of our guys, David J., made a good point. In that trade, that's a typical AJ, AJ trade, was the best player at the time in that trade was Will Myers. Yeah. That's who he went to get. And that's how you got to kind of look at, I think, trades is, I was a history major in school, and I, I think you look at the actions and you look at the information people had in front of them, and then you analyze yeah. it. As compared to, like, political science, another major, it was, you have a bunch of theories, and maybe you're right, maybe you're Everybody not. Everybody celebrating Myers today for coming out and talking about getting his ass kicked at the stadium. I'm like, dude, look in the goddamn mirror. That's been, the, that's been yeah. your whole career here. You've been... The number one guy we can point at where you go, dude, you're the guy. Dave, I don't know if you saw the quote. I did yeah. He was quoted as saying, you know, it's really frustrating. Right. We came out here last year and earlier this year, and we were kicking these teams' asses, and I've been here for a lot when we're getting our ass kicked, and now it's happening again, and it sucks. It's like, well, yeah. hey, Will, look at your fucking numbers. <laughs> you, John, you guys did it for me. Right. Remember we talked about this handful of years ago where, where Will was hitting about 18, 19 home runs. And remember, John, you and I talked about meaningful home runs. Right. And you guys had it like this amazing number. And again, it's not like Will Myers. We've had plenty of guys that have worn that uniform that are just awful human beings. And you look at him, you go, whatever. Well, he seems like a good enough dude. But I think, John, out of like the 19, the number that we came back with was like four. Yeah, the thing about Myers is when Myers is on, he's one of my favorite players to watch. Yeah, well, that he, was he sixty played. games last year, and in twenty sixteen when he made the All Star team. You're right, because yeah. I, but I think as a baseball coach, that's what though. frustrates you the most about him because you know he's capable. You know, you know, capable. He has a godly amount of talent. Yeah, he, he drove Andy the Green ball. nuts. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he, we had a yeah we had a couple talks with Andy Green. That was because very true. I we've always said having never brought it up to Andy. Andy has to look at Will Myers and go, if I had that, I would have been a 10-time All-Star. Yeah, Yeah, you look at Andy Green, I mean, it's amazing that he made the major leagues with his his ability. Yeah, that's the thing that's just a huge separate. But, you know, you see that in the minors. You see 
you know, when you talk about Ty France, I saw him in 19 in El Paso in four games. He may have swung and missed once. Now, the guy who was a big kind of bust was the guy they gave a million bucks to was Michael Geddes. And if you saw Michael Geddes, yeah. it was like, God, he is built. He can run. He can throw. This is the next guy. Then he, he couldn't handle the failure because yeah. so much of baseball is mental and knowing oh, yeah. what to swing at. France knew exactly. France always knew he could hit. And he was very, he said, I just need to lose weight. And he did. He dropped 25 pounds. And he was a totally different player when he was in double A compared to what he was in A ball. It's, uh, it, it, it's amazing how, you, like, all of us, we love baseball. The three of us right. here love it. We go to the game and we go, man, these guys are living the life. And you oh, take, yeah. take money out of it. You just look at it and go, there's nothing like catching a ball in center field with this crowd. I yeah. mean, this is an incredible experience. And then you look at guys, and we've heard guys in the past, Kevin McReynolds, they said hated baseball. Right. You know, rather be in Arkansas hunting. And then you look at some of the guys on, on the Padres. I always think of Will Myers. Looks like he just doesn't like the game. I don't know what goes through his mind at all. But he, the way he walks on and off the field and yeah. the fact that we all agree he's capable. And he, he's going to think I'm crazy. But when I look at Will Myers and his athletic ability, I look at a guy that could be a right-handed Bryce Harper. And I don't understand why he is, doesn't able to put it together year after year, game after game, where it looks like I'm just passing time making a shitload of money. I don't know. I it, really don't. It, it, I wish but, I wish I had a, a great. I think a lot of Padres fans yeah. do too. I mean, because we all agree when you talk five tool guy, he's supposed to be that five tool guy. But in the end, he's just a fucking tool. The saddest thing that you see in the minors is, you know, you'll see guys that are that are very smart. They get everything out of their ability, and then once they get the double A, it's like, okay, if you don't quite have the athleticism, like one of the guys I used to like to talk to was a guy named uh, T.J. Weir, who's a relief, a relief pitcher who got uh, released from double a a couple years ago. And the reason it's interesting is, you know, this guy played at ball state was an all league shortstop was also a pitcher in high school. He was, uh, you know, um, all state quarterback played third was a third, third team, all state point guard. And you think of the guys who are our age, we know they go, you know, once in JV, I hit one off. The <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, yeah. I mean, you got to put things in perspective with these guys about just how good they are. And then, when you get there, there just gets to be this difference. I mean, you can try and think so hard, but if you just don't have that athletic ability, it ain't going to happen. John, yeah. tell people about Mad Friars because I think mm -hmm. they know this site and they've heard the name and they've heard you and, and Kevin uh, pop on the shows. But I don't know if people really know what you guys do, how often you're on the road. So in the day-to-day not to go too far in the woods, mm -hmm. but during the course of the season, Mark Wilkins, David J, Kevin Charity, yourself, uh, you mentioned there's a couple other guys. Right. How much are you guys out on the road scouting? Because there's fan sites, and then there's what you guys do, which I feel is like the best of both worlds. You come at it from a very strong journalistic standpoint. It's not a whole lot of opinion. Yeah, we try being more of a reporting site because, yeah. you know, actually the people who read our 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 stuff is is kind of guys like you, you guys. I mean, what you want is information. You don't need me to tell you who's going to be the next guy. I'll tell you. I'm not going to play coy. Like, oh, I don't really care about this. I know I'm yeah. a Padre fan like everybody right. else, but that's just my opinion. But let's make sure we get the facts there, and you guys can have a different opinion, and that's that's totally cool. So if you go back, our site started in uh, 2003. A guy named Dennis Savage found it and uh show how old i am i used to spend too much time on espn message boards talking about prospects and i thought 
I had to do something better with my life. I was doing too much on this. So a friend of mine recommended going to Dennis and I was with his site on scout, uh, for a while. And Dennis got tired of doing it. I took it over in 2007. David J came along, then Ben Davey and then Kevin charity. And now I have Mark Wilkins and Ryan Payne and another guy, Marcus Pond helps out a, a little bit. And the main thing we do is every day we try writing a daily. Each of us has one day. Kevin likes doing two. Kevin's a big anchor of our, our site. And then we go out to the, the minor league sites, and uh, we visit usually each one at least once a year. This year we've been to all of them twice with us except for uh, San Antonio. Uh, and even then I got crap from all those assholes on our site for bringing, <laughs> for bringing the rain and all of this. And uh, we try being really hard – we have a lot of fun on Twitter, but when we are on the site, we try, you know, using AP style, it's being really very good. careful about who we cite. And we all we all do this for fun. And uh, our families were all sad to see us at home so much last <laughs> year. So now they're happy that we're back on the road. And uh, the the minor league affiliates uh, are on our site. They, they sponsor us a little bit. We get some affiliates. We went on independent. Thanks to Jeff. We always give yeah. credit for, for coming on this podcast and bitching about how much it costs. We didn't even know it. And then from yeah. time, yeah, the scout was so bad. I told him, why'd you guys raise it to 20 bucks a month? And then they, they wouldn't even respond to me. So I just made the whole, everything free until they did that. And then we just ended up leaving them. So we're much better off with that. And, um, we also have our mad friars pro hat models who, who, uh, use that Eric, uh, Miserable Padre yeah. and Danny Ortiz, because what we thought was if you have people that are really good looking woman or a guy, people are going to pay more attention to them. With Eric and Danny, you don't worry. You focus more on the house. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you son of a gun. Cheap shot, our boy. Exactly right. How long did it take before the team embraced what you were doing uh -huh. and said, yeah, we're not, we're going to credential you guys. We're going to give you access to the managers and players because that's not always easy to do, especially. I we got think, it pretty soon. And I think the yeah. reason we got it was because we were really pretty clear about what we do and what we don't do. So, like, if we go to a major league game and I, Kevin's the main one who goes to them, is we're, we're there when some guy has his debut and mm. we'll see them play. Like, did you guys ever see the movie uh, That Thing You Do? Oh yeah! Yes. Remember that where they got the where they got the first guy they meet is kind of the weird guy in the camper yep. giving him chili. You know, that's kind of us, <laughs> all right. So I mean, we do yeah. that, and if we kind of follow them when they get up to the major leagues, we're good. They, I guess, they like what we do, and uh, when we're in there, like we're not. If we're in the clubhouse, we're not going to go ask Will Myers questions because we're yep. minor league guys. And yeah. actually, they got three pretty good guys, I think, and Lynn, AJ Castle, and Kevin Acey who cover the major leagues. And I don't think yeah. there's anything we can really compete or add to it. But in terms of minor league stuff, I don't think anybody else goes out. And we don't just have one guy who's a correspondent, some college kid we give a couple bucks to. I mean, like Mark Wilkins was was there with us, and he went to San Antonio and I'll pass with me. He saw the ACL yeah. games. And, you know, Ben Davey and Kevin Charity were out in Fort Wayne. They were at, like, Elsinore and Niji Davidson a couple but places. But do these guys, when they see in the big league club, clubhouse, do they remember? Do they, they do, because most of the guys, in the, when they come up, they're – they're so kind of scared and they're sitting in there and they don't want yeah. to call, and they see us and they, we actually know who they were and we've known yeah. them for three or four years. That's a great. And thing. so that's, that's actually a lot of fun. And, and, you know, we do this for fun. All of us have real jobs and the, any money we make off this goes into either airplanes, rental cars or hotels. That's Perfect. Yeah. Real quick. Last question for me is, 
who's the one guy, the one prospect that the Padres have traded, and your time has been a Padre fan, mm. that, that stunk? For me, for, you heard Jeff say Trey Turner. For me, it was Max Freed because I followed him through high school, and he was the same graduating class as my son, and he was a pitcher too. And so yeah. I was very aware of Max Freed. When they drafted him, we were happy to be at 1090, and I was going, oh, shit, they got a good one, a lefty. Yeah. And is there one guy, because you put a lot of time into this, and I know you don't fall in love with players, but you see them before they're stars. Is there one guy they traded away where we went, shit? Well, I, I wish I could say you don't fall in love with the players. I mean, our, our good friends on Friars on the Farm podcast, they, they really like all those guys a lot, and they're great to do this. Is, there's, there's certain players you're going to like a lot. Yeah. They're just nice to you. I mean, the guy they traded who's not you know some super prospect was um, – and I've told this story a couple of times is, uh, is Blake Hunt. I liked a lot, the, the big mm. catcher. We took him out. Um, he and Joey Cantillo helped us get some interviews. So I used to go out to breakfast with this guy, Mike Moss, who's a Fort Wayne broadcaster. And we took Joey and, uh, you know, and, and, and Blake with us. And they sit down and they, I mean, they're huge dudes. I mean, Hunt's like 6'4", 230. Yeah. Cantillo's like 6'5", 225. And... If you've heard this story before, I apologize. It really is not everyone's like my wife and listens to every word I say as the word of God. So some other people don't. <laughs> yeah, good, yeah. good but, work, uh, buddy. We go to breakfast. I get these little things. And I say, you yeah, guys can get some food. And he goes, oh, you have another job? Yeah, I don't, I don't live in D.C. and house <laughs> yeah. on what I make off Mad Friars. <laughs> yeah. And Hunt leans over and goes, dude, we can really eat. I say, yeah, go, go for it. So they get this thing called a garbage plate, which is like six eggs, bacon, hash brown sausage on one and then hunt says oh i like biscuits and gravy so he gets one they're like this both of them get it they plow this thing down it's about 10 o'clock then they're looking around they get oh there's homemade donuts help yourself 50 cents get get six they start crushing donuts and finally the fort wayne broadcaster moss looks he goes you guys still hungry you want some more food and uh and hunt actually says with a straight face he goes no, dude, it's ten thirty. We we got lunch with some friends at twelve, so uh, we, we can't, you know. And they just yeah. So I mean, certain guys are nicer than others, and certain ones, you know, you actually you root for. But I think the one thing uh, that we try to do, and I think the players respect us for it, is you know we always we try just going at it straight. If someone's struggling, we say they're struggling, and we don't take a cheap shot at it, like. One story I haven't told, and I'll go really quick, is one time I was in San Antonio for a Sunday game. I was with this older writer for the San Antonio Express. And we go there, we get a bunch of interviews done, and so we're pretty happy. And uh, they got barbecue in there. And so we're going to watch baseball, eat some food. We've done our job. And at the last minute, this guy comes in from the scout site for the Rangers. Young kid, about maybe five minutes for the game. And he just starts shooting his mouth off. Every single pitch was... God, that's a curveball. How hard is it to throw a curveball? Oh, I can't. You can't hit that. Oh, this and this. This guy sucks. And I'm about to say anything because I'm old and cranky. And uh, before I can say anything, the guy that was running the scoreboard, the assistant GM for the missions, leaned over to him and said, uh, hey, the Padres got open tryouts on Tuesday. <laughs> you know, you, you want to come by? I'll say that. He goes, oh, I, I can't. I, uh, I, I had no place to stay. He goes, I got an extra room. You can stay with me. He goes, pitch, hit. What do you want to do? And he says, ah, oh, I got to get back. And he said nothing the whole game. So, yeah. I mean, all of us, when we write about baseball, yeah. got to remember, it's really tough. The guys out there are really trying. And if they don't do it, that's fine. But just kind of be respectful about it. Here's the thing I, I have to mention about Mad Friars, and John didn't ask me to do it, uh, but I'm going to do it. Uh, three years ago, when we were putting together our charity event, raising money for suicide prevention, 
for clean water, for the uh, Rancho Coastal Humane Society, Ronald McDonald House. Who am I missing, Dave? Uh, Alpha Project, Bob McElroy at the Alpha Project. We had set a goal on the show, me, Dave, and Lisa, and we had set a goal that we were going to raise $3,000. And our goal was to raise 3000 because I felt like if we could put 500 in everybody's pocket, it'd be yeah, kind of fun. We thought thing. that'd be really fun. We ended up raising $14,000 that night, and our out-of-pocket expenses were $700. So $13,000 got paid out to charity. One of the main reasons it got paid out is because within about a week of us talking about that event, John, unsolicited, called me and said, I got you covered. John, Kevin Charity, I believe David J. helped on that, but it doesn't matter. This is why Matt Fryer's is so important to us. These guys went out and vouched for this show. They vouched for this show and said, these are our guys and they're raising money and we need your help. And the amount of baseballs that came oh, yeah. in it's great. from Chris Paddock, Fernando Tatis. And Gore. Gore. Gore was the one who had that great line. We told him it was for the Humane Society and he had that big North Carolina jaw. goes, oh God, I love dogs. Where do I sign? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I love that. And and they have continued to do it. Right. And in my, and it's, John, it's so funny. I, I think you know this. John will hit me on a text or, or uh, an email and we'll be on, I believe, with the gentleman you just mentioned, the broadcaster. Uh, Jeremy Sneed from San Antonio. We yeah. put you on, yeah. And I'm so quick to write to these guys and say, listen, this is something, I'm very type A. I protect all of these when they come yeah. in. They're all locked. And so when we have our next event, which is coming up, we've got to get it planned. It's all to raise money for Jake's projects. But, John, I cannot thank you enough. You've oh. always done it for us, believed in us, and, and thank you for what you did. Because it's one thing for, for me and Dave to go out and talk to Jim Trotter or Eric Weddle or Boach or, or Theo, guys that we know. But those were so fun because the people that came through that door that night at the East Lake country club are like us yeah we're just baseball guys right. we're just dorks we just love this team and when i was able to say and i kevin i think i saw for a bit that night but it's all a blur but for us to be able to say you know the guys at mad friars man fought our fought for us on the road when you had enough other things to do you were out there trying to write stories and do your own i i just can't thank you enough and oh I, that's no problem it was very easy to do and uh I, I think that when I sent the um, shirts to you guys, I think yeah, that, that was one of the favorite lines with the God, that guy, the former broadcaster on uh, the missions, Mike Sager had one of the best, most vicious put downs. Cause he's a Dodger fan. We give him constant. Oh yeah. Shit. Yeah. Yeah. And he's the one who Dave's said got it on. Oh, yeah, the loons. Yeah, I love when he said, what was the quote he, he wrote? He said, well, I'm not, I think Dave will like these two. They're a, they're a pair of winners. I'm not sure you guys at Mad Friars will like them, but when's a Padre fan ever knew what a winner look like? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm glad it fit. I did notice that. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's so funny. I've been wearing the Chihuahua's hoodie, and it's at oh, home, good. so it's awesome. But thank you for everything, absolutely. John. You're, no problem. You're an absolute treasure for what we do for Padre fans. Uh, it's why we hype you up all the time. So please continue the good work. And when are you back in D.C.? I got to I take off uh, tomorrow. I got a flight in the morning. One thing I like to say is a couple of your sponsors have been really nice to us, too. Like, I know you guys, uh, Dan Williams has yep. always yep. retweeted our stuff and, and said a bunch of nice things. And I want to thank, be here and just thank Dan for doing that. Kyle uh, is going to help us out on our website a lot. He's right. been a good guy. And uh, even though I don't know Brian Curry, I got a feeling if I need a realtor in San Diego, I'd pick Curry because... 
East he's, County guys. No, he's got, like he's got geography down. He didn't t- I want to go to North County. He's going to take me to Poway. So he'd know what's <laughs> going on. <laughs> what year did you come out of Poway High School? Oh, I'm old. 83. 83. Well, my friend James Hughes, Patreon subscriber, Poway High graduate, sends oh. his best. Oh, good. He's well, a diehard good. Padre fan. And when I said, I said, Johnny's from Poway. He goes, dude, I love those guys even more. Oh, you, that's great. You're the greatest, brother. Safe travels. And Thank you know, you. anytime you're in town... We were joking. We've been joking all day because if guys run the gauntlet, and if you go by Stevie's show or Darren's show, often we're like, now nah, you got it out. But that's the fun thing is the guys at Matt Fryers are so well-liked by everybody. They're on 1360-97.3, and we said, yeah, get your ass down here. It's great to have you in. Well, Steve's going to be mad at me because he said, make sure you give those guys a bunch of crap. I mean, as much <laughs> as share. <laughs> We said we'd tease you guys about the flights that you take, but they uh, they had a lot of fun. They were they were really nice, and uh, Darren's been great to us, and yeah. Steve, and so like I was joking with uh, Dave earlier on the show, is I'm pretty much too selfish and lazy to to dislike people because I know what I turned into, <laughs> and uh, so I've, I'm trying to be uh, neutral and with all their stuff. But they've been great to us. You guys have been, and uh, we really appreciate everything. On Twitter at Mad Friars, on Twitter at John Conniff, they are the best. Johnny, good seeing you, brother. Safe travels. Yep, thanks, guys. Thank you. Uh, thank you so much to John Conniff. And Dave, like I said, man, John, Kevin Charity, David J., Mark Wilkins, these guys have done so much for Jake's projects, and they just do it unsolicited. We just say, uh, we come in, we talk about what's going on or our different events, and next thing you know, he's calling saying, hey, I got baseballs for you. And he was just saying at the end, Hey man, I got baseballs for you, but but some of them are Anderson Espinoza. I'm like, we'll auction them off. We'll auction them off and we'll raise that money. But I just it means a lot to me. I know how much it means to you. Absolutely. Uh those guys are just they're always there when you need them. And they act, they don't react. And I and I just genuinely, man, they're they're good people to their core, and I, I thank them all very much. Hey, Jeff, want to mention the guys that help make the show go on. We'll start with Brian Curry. Brian Curry, again, is the person you want to talk to when you talk about real estate. Again, another Poway guy, just like John is. Brian's a guy that knows San Diego County better than anyone else. You're looking for that next home. Where are you going to buy? Brian can get you in the right neighborhood. At the same time, if you're looking to sell the home you currently have, no one's going to get you more for it than Brian Curry. Nobody better in the business than Brian, and right now he's a hot commodity. Call this number at 619-251-1588, 619-251-1588. Uh, we tell you so much about what Brian can do, whether you're trying to buy a home or sell a home. But yesterday was National Sons Day, and I, I like that. It means a lot to Dave. It means a lot to me. And I love it when our friends were posting pictures and very fun. Uh, I don't know Dylan's brother's name. I didn't, I didn't see it. But Dylan Curry Bryan had a picture with of him and his boys out. And I just love it because, Dave, I know how much being a dad means to you, means to us, to, to Dan, to Al Taylor, to Flugs. And uh, it was just great. So that was a fun day for me yesterday, <laughs> seeing everybody's family. But, yeah, as you are buying a home, man, oh, man, so many different things can be a challenge. So many different questions that you need the answers to. And the guy who's going to have the answers for the questions you know and the ones you hadn't even thought of are Brian Curry. Whether you're buying or selling, uh, the best guy to call is our friend BC. Absolutely. Also, don't forget that, look, it might have been a little bit cooler tonight. Kind of felt a little bit like fall. Guess what? 
It's going to get up to 87 degrees in the next couple days. Dave, that's hot. That's pool weather. That's pool weather. Exactly right. So TaylorMade pools, they're waiting for you. It's always pool weather in Southern California. Call Alan Taylor. Get on his schedule again. Great Christmas gift idea. Alan Taylor can make your dreams come true with the perfect pool. Call Alan Taylor today at 619-449-4452. 619-449-4452. Finally, Amy and I are in agreement <laughs> on the fall special. It's the October special. 31 people, because there's 31 days in October. 31 of you, cash-only deal. Call, use the code word Dave and Jeff Podcast. We've had some fun ones in the past. We're not going to lie. We had Brenda Vaccaro. We had the Vera pool was very, very popular. <laughs> the Jane and Carlsbad pool was very popular. But guess what? You son of a bitches, you broke me down. And this this came from our friend Katie Temple. She goes, you know, you're selling pools all the time. When the hell are you going to have that Lisa Ann special? I go, God damn, Katie. You know what? That's right. The first 31 of you. Uh, with cash in hand, Amy met her, and Amy's like, yes, we'll do that. <laughs> Dave, I'm going to quit this stupid podcast, and I'm just going to go on the road with Lisa Ann and be her photographer. I don't care where that she is. is. Great she goes to Sprouts, and there's four pictures of her. <laughs> Who is with her? Dude, that's what I want to know. Who's taking those pictures? God damn, I got a phone. I can do this shit. <laughs> she, God, I've never seen anything like it. It's got to be the greatest job ever. No Come, kidding. Come on, let's go. I got to go to the post office. So fun as I mailed the letter today. And you're just like, God damn. Outstanding. So yeah, uh, the first 31 of you to celebrate Halloween, uh, you get the Lisa Ann Pool special. Just tell Amy, Dave, and Jeff sent you. Dan Williams is who you want to talk to when it comes to your finances. Again, Dan Williams, really good guy and a guy that can help you get out of the hole. Call Dan Williams, 858-688-6813. Don't forget his Bar Smart 2-Minute Tuesday. It came out yesterday as we do the show on Wednesday. You're going to learn something. Every single week, you're going to learn it. Dan's always doing great things with the community as well. Let's get out of the rental market. Let's buy your first home. Let's get out of debt. Dan Williams is the guy, 858-688-6813. Well, uh, Dan didn't have this in Borrow Smart, Repay Smart, but I'm going to go ahead and give a little free financial advice to all of you. I hope Dan endorses it. As I've talked about, I bought season tickets to the Kings, and every month I make that payment. I'm like, what the fuck am I doing? This goddamn team may go 10-2 and two in the games I'm at. They may go 2-10. and 10. Could be three trips in where I'm driving up there going, how the hell am I going to drive back up here nine more times? I have no idea what the hell I'm getting into. But I figured out this is how you repay smart. You repay smart because one of your punk kids keeps running his mouth about shit he'd rather do on one of the nights that you're locked in for the Kings. And then you just determine, you know what? Moving forward, when uh, me and Kate are Aztec season ticket holders, you're fucking out. You're out because I'm sick of listening to your mouth run. And just like that, three season tickets became two season yes. tickets. Yay! <laughs> Money back in your pocket. That's it. If you're having trouble finding a way to balance... Find a 13-year-old fucking kid with a big mouth and put him in your life, and all of a sudden you cut him out, and shit starts, uh, you'll see a whole lot more green in your wallet, and guess what else you'll see? Yourself looking in the mirror, giving yourself a thumbs up! 858-688-6813. Jack, you hear that? You're out! Thumbs up. <laughs> Kyle Flugers, you want to talk to when it comes to your website? Again, you just heard great things right there. As John mentioned it, Kyle's always doing great things for people. As far as business goes, he can help you with that website too. 
619-500-6621. Yeah, congratulations to my son, Jack. I just bought him a website. Shit I'll be doing on Saturday night instead of going to the Aztec games.com. <laughs> a little long, but he'll get used to typing it in because he's going to have all fucking night to do it. Uh, if your website's not working for you, then you're not working for yourself. But you know who can help you is Kyle. And and we just said, was talking to John Conniff about this. A lot of us that thought we were going back to work and maybe getting back on the road, not going to happen until 22 at the earliest. And that probably means your your customers are doing the same thing. So they have that disposable income. And if your competitor's website's performing better than yours, that's a problem. Call Kyle, uh, call Kyle right now and even the score. All right, here we go. How old are they and how much are they worth? We're going September 29th. It's kind of funny because I wanted to uh, set the record straight during the show because we don't want to be wrong because people will write us and say, you guys are wrong. But it came up. Bum Phillips. You mentioned Wade Phillips. Wade Phillips yeah. left the Chargers and he became head coach of the Dallas Cowboys. That's where he went. Right? That's where he went. So just let you know. So the, the birthday, though, on the first one, he's no longer with us. It's Bum Phillips. Bum Phillips, 94. Bum Phillips would have been 98. Damn. Uh, $4 million. I'll give it to you because it's somewhere between one and five million dollars. I was going to say one point five, so I think that's that would have been funny. a win for me. All right, Kevin Durant, who's in San Diego right now. Yeah, Kevin Durant. Um, I like how these assholes are so happy. There are three NBA teams having their training camp in San Diego. When the season starts, they all leave. Yeah, is he thirty four? Kevin Durant is thirty three. Thirty three, and I'm going to say. Let's say two hundred million. Well, pretty pretty much probably right. One hundred and seventy million dollars. I don't think that keeps all his endorsements. I'm guessing you're closer to being right. Okay. Calvin Johnson, Hall of Famer. Dude, one of the nicest people uh showed up at the Helix football camp with Reggie Bush about five years ago. That's amazing. Took my sons over and just introduced and I said, Hey, as a fan of the NFC North, pleasure to meet you and, and just and my gosh, he couldn't have been nicer and more engaging. Um. Uh, and what an amazing player, right? Yes. I think this will surprise us a little bit. I'm going to say he's 37 today. Actually, he's younger. He's 36. Wow. Um, 50 million. 45 million. Really close. All right. All right. Last one's a freak show. It's Jerry Lee Lewis. Jerry Lee Lewis. Fuck. The killer. Fuck is right. He's married a 13-year-old cousin. Yeah. Well. <laughs> That's bizarre. How old are your kids? Oh, yeah. God damn. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking weirdo. Jerry Lee. Uh, Killer. Who was his fucking cousin? Mickey Gilly or somebody? Uh, no, I don't know. I don't know. I'm going to say that asshole's 98. 86. That's it? That's it. He's another fuckhead. I'm going to say he's got $3 million. $16 million. Son of a bitch. A whole lot of shit going on. A lot of, a lot of candy necklaces for that 13-year-old weirdo. Jesus. Fucking weirdo. Fucking weirdo. All right, are we stopping right there? It was a long show. What happened to five questions? I got them for you. I thought go. you said, let's go. All right, good. We're ready to go. Here we go. Would you say you're either a night owl or a morning person? That's the easiest fucking question ever. There's nothing worse. No, no more annoying people in the world than morning people. I think that's me. And I was married to one, and I remind her all the time, you know, why are you going to bed at fucking 8 o'clock at night? So tired. I yeah. try and be both, but you can't do. Like, I go to bed way I late. Know. Like, I watch Kimmel, and then I wake up at 4.45 every day. That's just weird. Uh, I've been up 
the last two nights to 12.30 because I bought my son's NBA 2K22. Yeah, you're trying to do the rosters? Yeah, and I've never been a video game guy. My kids are dying laughing at me for the last two days because this fucking Gavin Lux crying. He runs right into the State He's Farm side. He's got plenty of time. Insurance. You need insurance. Here's Gavin Lux right into the State Farm Jesus side. Jesus Christ, Gav. Come on, kid. Um, the Yeah, there's goddamn games, Dave. I never played them. You're set in the arena, the Jumbotron. It's the funniest shit ever. Making trades, and next thing you know, it's like 1245. I'm so goddamn tired right now. <laughs> Someone asked that question. Are you a morning person or a night person? And the response was, dude, I'm barely a person. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a fair point, too. But I would say night owl for sure. All right. Would you rather watch an action-adventure movie or a comedy? Oh, really depends on the day, right? Can I can I say combination of both? The other guys? <laughs> Aim for the bushes? The fucking movie's great. Or Schwarzenegger, who just thinks every action movie did was a comedy? Yeah. Um, oh, that's really good. I'm going to say, I just recommended to, to Conniff for his flight, Trouble by Bob or- Odenkirk's, a really, really underrated movie. Um, I would say that. Um, I'm going to say comedy. Me too. Because I can watch Step Brothers all day long. Me too. Me too. Okay. What do you do that makes you feel like a little kid? Well, staying up to fucking 1245 like a dipshit. <laughs> fucking setting the San Diego surf roster. Yeah. It was so goddamn funny, though. It was great. That is funny. Yeah. Uh, I, I tell you, for me, it's like going to restaurants my dad used to like take me to. Like like, uh, t- like Tommy's. When we, you yeah. and I go to Tommy's and stuff like that. Speaking of that, we're like way behind with COVID. Like yeah. this Tommy's for you, Tommy's for me. We already had your birthday again a couple weeks ago. Yeah. We're like three Tommy's behind. John Howard thinks we've cut these trips <laughs> off because he wants to go. <laughs> True. We told it's, John he was going. We told John he's in. Uh, shit. John, it's not because of you. Yeah, Tommy's is the best. You know what's funny, Dave? I'm trying to do that now. Uh, with the son I like, Cade, and the one who's bugging the <laughs> shit out of me, Jack. Uh, well, you try to do fun stuff like that. Like, uh, try to do those different things. Because out here, we didn't have a whole lot of them. But yeah, I, I like shit like that. The The funny thing is that as we start getting ready to go up there for the stones and everything, they're pretty pretty cool about making a fort in the back of my car. Oh, that's funny. And when we used to drive around, my family would do trips... And it would be blanket, pillow. Man, there were nights I could sleep better in the back seat of a car as a kid than I could in my own bed. And my yeah. bed was fine. But you would just put every, it felt like everything you possibly owned you had in the back seat of the car because everybody wanted to ride shotgun. Yeah. And then you would just ride back there and crash out. So that cracks me up with my kids. They got pillows and Ric Flair and blankets and everything else. It's pretty funny. How about you? No, no. For me, it's it's as I said, it's just the restaurants. It's the, just the restaurants. Anytime yeah. I'd go somewhere where my dad used to take me, I was thinking my think about being a kid. Yeah, I like that. All right, what movie do you hate that everyone else seems to like? Oh, that's pretty good. If that's... you want, I'll go first on this one. Yeah, go ahead. Think. Dances with Wolves. I fucking hated that movie. Why? I just I hate it. Because you're not, racist. I hate Kevin Costner. Kevin Costner. Every movie I watch, I'm like, I'm watching Kevin Costner. Uh, he, I never once fallen into the character. Him and that, uh, the the what's his face, the guy from Austin, Texas. 
Oh, McConaughey? McConaughey. Can't stand Matthew McConaughey. Owen Wilson's got a little bit of that. Yeah, it's different. Owen Wilson's doing comedies. Oh, that's true. Matthew McConaughey, every movie, I'm like, I'm watching Matthew McConaughey. Never wants to fall into the character. Um, Not into Star Wars. Yeah, see? There you go. But now, my kids love it. I couldn't tell you one fucking thing that's going on, okay? Dude, you said that when we went to that one premiere. Yeah. Back in, like, 2004. It was, like, the first one. Yes, and but like, fourth. Yeah, yeah. And then we came out, all those dorks are Intense. out there dressed like Obi-Wan, Genobi. And, and they're like, hey, what'd you think? I said, eh. And they just looked like they wanted to cry. Like, climb back in your fucking tent, eat your goddamn cinnamon brown sugar Pop-Tarts, and then fuck off. <laughs> All right. Here you go. I think I know the answer to this question for okay. you. If you were guaranteed to win an Olympic gold medal. Yes. In any sport, <laughs> yes. which sport would you choose? This is so great. Oh, fuck. This is great. Probably not going to be the javelin. I mean, where am I going to win? I'm going to take hockey. I knew it. That's what I would have said. He's going to say hockey. Once we're be part of that the, hockey team. We're going to beat those <laughs> fucking goofy kids from Mississauga and the beaches in Toronto. Oh, it'd be great. I think that'd be great. Um, I'd want to be the fastest man alive. Like, that. Oh, there goes the fastest man alive. This yeah. is that title. You imagine, but Bruce Jenner winning the decathlon is pretty badass. That was kind of cool. I can't name another decathlon winner though. My entire life. Can you life. name all ten things that he that no, he did? Not even close. Did he threw the? Did he do the hammer throw? No, he did the shot put. <laughs> shot put. <laughs> threw the yeah. javelin. He did throw the javelin, yeah, right? He had a. Right, do did he do the one ten hurdles? I'm, I have no fucking idea. You're asking the wrong guy. Three steeplechase. <laughs> I have no idea what he did. Did he do the triple jump? Fuck events. Or, hang on. You going to look it up? Yeah, what's, the, what's in the decathlon? Now, let's see how many of these you can get. This is like, hey, take on coach. <laughs> hey, you're on 97.3. As, as coach said today, he used the line, I remember that when I was a little tyke. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever referred to yourself as a tyke or anybody no, as a tyke? But how fucking fun is that show, dude? You can't get mad listening to the coach, right? Oh, my gosh. Can it's you? It's crazy as fuck. Uh, decathlon. All right, let's see here. The te- okay, Dave, let's see. Let's see how many of these you can. Oh, these are good ones. You got to tell me all of them. I don't know. Okay. Well, try to guess. Well, I'm, I already told you, like four of them. He's throwing okay. shot put. Shot put is one. Javelin. Two. High jump. Three. Um... I don't know. Do you have to run a marathon? I have no fucking idea. Goddamn, the fucking hammer throws in there. You try to take it away from me, you asshole. Who does the hammer throw? Uh, Bruce Jenner. Okay, here you go. Discus, okay, javelin, discus I got. shot put, high jump, long jump, pole vault. Yeah, pole vault. 100 meters, hurdling, 400 meters, 1,500 meters. And then it says heptathlon, hammer throw, 100 meter hurdles. 110-meter hurdles. I don't think that's it. Let's see here. I think this is it. Hang on. Let's see here. These fucking guys. What are the... What? Oh, here we go. Okay. World Athletics Org. Membership that you and I were part of a long, (laughs) long time. First day consists of in order. You got to run the 100 meters, the long jump. How are you feeling after that? Dead tired. Well, get, shut the fuck up and get over there. We got the shot put. And then you got the high jump. 
If you're high jump, are you a Fosbury flop guy like the oh, White yeah. Stones, or you just fucking trying to mind, dive over that part? No, in my mind, I'm a flop guy. Yeah, all right. Yeah, probably. No flop. Flacido Domingo. <laughs> no truer words have ever been said. You probably are a flop guy. And then 400 meters. Yeah. Okay? Go get some fucking Wheaties and some <laughs> Pedialyte, because day two, tell me how you're feeling about these. Rank, rank day two, Dave, from... Uh, one to five as far as how you feel like you where you think you do well and okay. where you'd really struggle. anything throwing i would do well in that right day. now you're doing fine you're tied for the lead with john Contera from the canadian team okay okay so tomorrow you're well rested we're coming out in order you got the 110 meter hurdles the discus the pole vault the javelin and the 1,500 meters. You know which one scares me the most? I know exactly. The pole vault. Yeah, because you're afraid that fucking stick's going to snap and hit you right in the Dude, face. I'm afraid I'm going to miss the hole that you're supposed to stick it in. I, well, you said you were a flopper, and now you're going to miss the hole. God Here's damn. the deal. Who was the first guy that goes, watch this? That was a hold my beer moment, right? Yeah, probably Bo Jackson watch this. type guy. I'm going to run my ass off, stick this stick into the ground, and watch me go up in there. What are you, fucking insane? It's like the first guy that decided to hang gliding. And what he, watch yeah. this. Yeah, watch this. <laughs> but he didn't have that big foam pad. What was he landing? Probably Dude, a big hey, pile of cow shit. People said they used to have, when that shit started, they used to jump with bamboo sticks. God damn. Yeah. It's by Jim Thorpe. <laughs> how you feeling about the, uh, how you feeling about uh, the discus? Probably good. get a little dizzy. No, that one, that one, anything I got to throw, uh, I'm fine with. Yeah, but the discus is where you got to do that. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> ah. Take somebody up. Yeah. Got to let it fly. Who the fuck just hit that out of here? It doesn't matter. Dodgers are getting killed. This is it. Dodgers are going to be three games back after tonight. Dave. Je Jeff and I have been watching this game with the sound off as we, there's been some crazy shit as Gavin Lux ran into the wall at 100 cried. miles an hour. And then you saw the umpire in the last inning take a fastball in the face with the mask on. Kevin looks like, dude, you're wearing a mask. Shut yeah, the fuck shut up. up. The guy's like, I'm not crying, bitch. <laughs> I shook it off. Goddamn Dodgers trainer took about a half hour to get out to sure both did. guys. It did. If it was Mookie, it would have been out there in a heartbeat. Yeah, get out there. <laughs> Kevin Lux makes the minimum. Fuck it. Uh, all right, that's it for tonight. Our thanks to John Connor from Mad Friars. We are back here maybe Saturday we talked yeah. about, right? Yeah, because you're going to the Rams game on Sunday. I'm going to the Raider game on Monday. All right, so uh, we'll see. Us, we'll figure something out. We'll see you down here Saturday, and then uh, be back here next Wednesday. Perfect. Good deal. Here we go.
better go away A positive video game Put a smile on my face That stop sign was paralyzed But I ran it anyway Soundproof fence and a handyman Cussing on TV What Californian cussed their own Christmas tree Boy, you better watch out For that sneaky back screen door I laughed so hard 